Coming to you from BLC Studios in Mankato, Minnesota, this is the Bethany Vikings Podcast. Hosted by Brock Aker, Jake Anderson, and Gabe Stace. It's time to go inside Bethany Athletics. Welcome to another edition of the Bethany Vikings Podcast. This is season three. We're kicking it off this year in February like we do always. And again, this is season three, so we're adding a third person in the mix. Jake and Anderson is going to join myself, Brock Aker, and Gabe Stace this year. We're going to have two hosts every week to keep you up to date with all things Bethany Athletics. Jake and welcome to the show. I feel like giving myself a round of applause here. Just kidding. No, uh, very excited to be here with you, Brock, you and Gabe. Um, do a very good job with this year in and year out. So I figured, hey, might as well try to throw my hat in the ring. Uh, we do a lot of work anyways on the uh, play-by-play and announcing for basketball and whatnot. So I'm like, hey, might as well join in with you on this. So um, we had a couple of games this past weekend for basketball. Um, I figured we'd start with those. Yeah, why not, um, Jake? And you're the new guy. You, you, you take it. <laughs> All right, so Northland, uh, myself and Alex Stitt had the Northland game, and it was really just two complete games by both basketball teams. Um, we'll start with the uh, men's game. Uh, our men's team beat Northland by a score of 106-71, to 71, and, it, and they just held it from start to finish. Um, both Shrupp and Nielsen, who we'll have on the podcast in a little bit, uh, Neil Shrub had 18 and Nielsen had 14 and we saw a lot of production from basically everybody, uh, top to bottom guys just coming in and putting in good production, which I think is going to be the key down the stretch for this team. Cause we've seen them in games where they'll get up ahead really fast. And then it just seems like they took their foot foot off the gas or something. And, you know, they have a stretch where seven, eight minutes, they let teams get back into it, have to fight for it to the end, but not this time. They just kept their foot on the gas and really kept the pedal to the metal, and were able to finish with that one out. Got the bench guys some good minutes, too, which was good to see. Yeah, they scored a season-high 106 points in the game you announced. Uh, you talk about they have moments of greatness, and they have moments of you just scratch your head. And we saw that definitely in the Superior game. They got outscored 13-2 to two in the right from the get-go. Mason Ackley and Fahrenholtz uh, just went right attacking the Vikings. And then we kind of got back in the game, and I think we had a 38-30 lead at halftime. And then starting the second half, we struggled again. We got up 47-33, to 33, and then all of a sudden they had a 19-2 run, and we're behind again. Um, but then the Vikings came back, closed it out, and now they won by 13 points. So it was much more of a competitive game than a, the scoreboard looks in that second game. It did not feel like we won by 13 points. But one thing I took for note this weekend, especially in the men's basketball, was the atmosphere in the game I was at. Uh, University of Wisconsin-Superior, they traveled well. It was alumni day. We had a lot of different um, alumni basketball players from the past. We honored the 10-year anniversary of our very first UMAC championship basketball team that Garvin was a part of. Um, but it was electrifying. It was loud. Uh, there was a lot of whistles in the second half, and it seemed like the crowd was holding their breath on everything. Every call was booed by one uh, crowd or the other. Uh, it's just great to have that back uh, at Bethany, announcing a game with fans instead of just empty bleachers with maybe a couple parents. Well, and you think about everything with COVID last year too, where it was only like, I think two tickets per player or something like that. Everybody had to be spread out and whatnot. Students weren't able to be in the building. Everybody had to kind of watch online. Like the atmosphere this year, I feel feel like has been so different where we've seen like bigger student sections for Bethany and there's just feel, there's a bigger crowd feel. And I think it's in part because both these teams have been played really well this year. Um, and are looking good, kind of heading towards the tournament play. Something I'm looking at here in the stats, though, is Kyrie Mayfield only had eight minutes. 
um, in that Superior game. What was the reason for that? Was it just foul trouble or? No, he got hit in the face. Uh, it got looked like maybe he got poked in the eye. Uh, we didn't really hear exactly, but he didn't return. Well, he returned to the bench, though, with a towel over his head and goggles, red goggles. Gotcha. Um, so hopefully it's not a concussion. Um, if it was a concussion, you'd think he wouldn't be back. But it was kind of an odd scene of him at the end of the bench with a brown towel on top of it and some red goggles. But he and he made the goggles look good, man. <laughs> um, something else I want to talk about you too, and we'll talk about this with Hunter in a little bit when he comes on. Um, Hunter having three blocks, and it's interesting to note that he was coming into the season, he was fourth in uh, terms of total cl- career blocks. And he's already broken the record in just his third season and is well over 100 blocks now, the first Bethany player to do that in um, program history. Something I wanted to ask you is what makes his blocking prowess just so, um, I guess, good or feared by teams in terms of like how he's able to affect shots on that defensive end? Well, yeah, I think he's one of the tallest players in the UMAC, which helps. Um he also has a presence. He, he talks some trash, you can tell. Um, he's not a guy you kind of want to mince words with as an opposing uh, player. And he'll let you know when he blocks it as well. So you, you, always, you don't want him uh, to trash talk you with a block and get him going. So that's why some people kind of just try to avoid the situation. Um, but it's really hard. I, I play intramural basketball a little bit. And people with my long arms, 6'3", they, they know I'm tall, but they don't understand until they play. You take Hunter Nielsen, 6'9", yeah, they probably watch film and they understand how tall he is. But even when you get to play him he's even taller than you actually think and sometimes you can think you can get the shot up and then oh no no hunter nielsen will send you back all right let's move over to the women's side of things and we'll start first with that uh game again against northland and i think heading into that game um alex and i had kind of talked about it at the top of the broadcast looking at the previous matchup between those two teams it really felt like Bethany was just going to kind of be able to run away with it and just, you know, pedal to the metal, get out to a quick 30, 40-point lead, and then just put in the reserves. The The interesting thing was with that game, Northland just kept changing their defensive looks. They would go from a 1-3-1 to a 2-3 to a man to a half-court 1-3-1. They tried a little bit of full-court press. They tried man-to-man full-court press, and then they dropped back to a 2-3, and they just kept changing the looks and it worked because it would, you know, disorient that Vikings offense, and it made it tough at times to get it into Hannah. But then it just seemed like Northland got tired, and they were they weren't able to just keep going with that defensive pressure. Um, something I'll ask you though is, what do you think happens when defenses do that and are able to just make it difficult on the offense to call it from play to play? what they see because you only have those 30 seconds on offense before you have to get a shot off um what do you think that does to offenses where um you know the defense keeps changing their looks and it just can kind of disorients how the offense is working I, th- I think you obviously have to do that against Hannah Geisfeld. This is her fifth year. Um, she's seen about everything. Um, you talk about, like, even NFL and Tom Brady plays, he's seen everything so he can react. And same thing with Hannah. So you can't run the same defense uh, multiple times in a row against her because she's just going to uh, pass, find the open person, and she's just going to take it right to you if you single guard her. Um, but that's the most fascinating thing I look for when I get a call a game with Hannah Geisfeld is how are they going to react and guard her? 
Uh, because are they going to double team her? Are they just going to try to press and make it tough on the guards to pass the ball to her? And that's what you kind of saw in the Wisconsin Superior. They actually single guarded her for the first three quarters, and that's how they kind of stayed in the game because they were hectic on the freshman guards we had, and it made it difficult to get the ball into her. Um, but she still ended up with 37 points. She had 38 in that first game against Northland with 17 rebounds and then 37 in that second game. Uh, was really close to breaking the program record for most points in a game, which she literally just set not even a month ago at Minnesota Morris. Um, let's move to the second game. Uh, Bethany, 78-71 over Wisconsin Superior. What, uh, what were kind of the events of that game? Well, just to begin, Hannah guys felt she recorded her 1,000th rebound. Um, so she's the only person in the UMAC with 1,000 rebounds and 2,000 points. Um, so just cementing herself again as the greatest UMAC player of all time. She, When you combine the first game, because she had 37 points, she has 75 points and 29 rebounds between the two games this weekend. I think she's going to get her eighth UMAC player of the week. Um, and she got her 15th double-double of the season in that one. It was good to see Taryn Christensen. She returned to the lineup in the second game after missing a few games, and she had five assists. She got on the offensive glass. Uh, she did, played limited minutes. Uh, Lyle Jones said in the post-game uh, press conference that she does still have a sore leg, so they're going to kind of ease her in these next couple games still. But it's great to have her back with, uh, you know, Kotke out. Uh her experience and her tenacity, uh, the energy she brings is great to see. And Ashanti Boykin, she continues uh, to play well starting now. She does. She's not much of a scorer. She's never shot more than six times in a game this year, um, but she's good at defense. She gets steals, and she had five assists in that Saturday game. Uh, she's good at finding the open player. Haley Meyer, she's again, she scored double digits for her fourth straight game. And she just continues to be a threat, like Hannah Geisfeld uh, called her in her press game, uh, post-game press conference. And it's just fun to see um, how they're going to have to start to react to her. Because if you single guard her and you double team Hannah, she's just been driving by the girl that she's been uh, having to go against every game she's uh, started now uh, since she, her minutes picked up. Ashley Shindell. She had four three-pointers in that game. She has 10 threes in her last three games. Um, so she's been really effective lately. And when she knocks down that three-pointer, that's just going to open the lanes more for Meyer and the post touches for Hannah Geisfeld. And, but it was a close game. It was a close game throughout. Uh, the Superior had a five-point lead in the fourth quarter, um, but the Vikings came back. And a couple technical fouls by University of Wisconsin Superior at the end kind of helped close the game out for the Vikings. I think it was good, though, that adversity, Jake, and, uh the young uh, guards we had. You talk about uh, Haley Meyer and Gherkin and uh, Cloyd. They haven't really played a lot of uh, crunch time minutes in close games because uh, we haven't had a close game in a while. And when we did, uh, we obviously had a, a little bit different of a cast of players out there. Uh, so it was good to see them face some adversity, come back, and get another win and stay undefeated in the UMAC. How excited do you think Hannah's going to be seeing the play of Haley Meyer just moving forward? I mean, true freshman. Um, Hannah being that fifth-year senior who gets a lot of respect and, um, you know, is highlighted a lot. Now you have this freshman, Haley Meyer, who's just starting to really seem like she fi she's figuring it out and figuring out her place. How excited do you think that makes a player like Hannah Geisfeld trying to go for her fourth um, fourth straight UMAC conference tournament, seeing that production and knowing like, hey, if I have you know an off couple of minutes or whatever, we have somebody now who can come in and take over a game and affect the game that way. Or even just um, be kind of her counterpart and be like, all right, if... I'm not open. I know that she'll get open and, you know, be able to score the basketball. 
Yeah, I think she's just going to score even more points. Um, you saw she's gotten in the 30s. She scored 75 total points uh, over the weekend because now teams, they can't really single guard Haley Meyer right now because she's just driving by them, which means they need help defense. Then they have to help off of Hannah, and Hannah gets easy layup. Um, so at, when you have more uh, threats, uh, it really helps Hannah Geisfeld get that single coverage because no team, there's no player, I don't think, in the UMAC that can single guard Hannah. So when you have uh, more threats that can take attention off of her, obviously it's going to be big time for Hannah, and she's just going to keep on uh, adding to her point total. All right, let's look forward now to this next coming weekend on Friday and Saturday, February 11th and 12th. Um, both the men's and women's team will be playing Crown College and the University of Minnesota Morris. Crown College coming into that men's game is currently tied with Bethany in the conference standings at 7-3 and three overall, fighting for that second seed. Everybody uh, currently three games behind um, the University of Northwestern. That game really feels like it could go either way. The last time those two teams played, it was 80-75. Um, Crown had the jersey retirement of Tim Wendell, a 2,000-point scorer in his career for Crown. That really has the feeling like it's going to be a big one to determine who's going to get that two seed. Yeah, the Vikings obviously are going to have to play 40 minutes of good basketball. They can't afford to have a stretch of a 13-2 to run or a 19-2 to run if they want to get that second seed and have home court. You saw they were the second seed when they won their last UMAC tournament. I think Scholastica upset Northwestern. Um, so you, you just control what you can control. Um, when the two seed, you have a possibility to host throughout, um, and you, you don't want to have to go to Crown. I know it's only about a, probably an hour, 20-minute drive. Um, but if you were at the uh, SFC on Saturday, you can tell that we actually have a home field advantage this year. Um, so a big, big-time game that's going to affect who gets to host uh, that second round of the UMAC tournament. Meanwhile, for the women, they're playing the um, you know Crown and Morris. Morris coming in with a 5-5 five and five record. Uh, that feels like it could almost be a trap game because we've seen Minnesota Morris give the women's team fits in the past. What do you think is going to be a key going into that one? Yeah, our guards just got to keep on uh, growing. Uh, some uh, bad turnovers, you, you kind of see it's still you're getting some experience. Um, so just to clean up a little bit on offense, play a little more um, together, uh, play some defense and communicate a little bit better than they did against Superior. They did really good against Northland. Um, but I think it's also good that we kind of had uh, some troubles against Superior. Something Lyle Jones can actually talk to our players and say, all right, we have some things we can improve on and let's do it couple of big games coming up as we wind down the season uh, looking even farther forward you see north northwestern and north central two tough tests road tests before that conference tournament so a couple more tune-up games before it all matters coming into the conference tournament but up next we will have interviews with hunter nielsen and justin shrupp and then a little later on in the podcast we will have laura ellingheisen on to talk about women's basketball all right, joining us now are two seniors on the men's basketball team. One, a sniper from deep, about as automatic as they come. Anytime he passes half court, any, th any shot is within his range. And the other will rise up like an attacker in volleyball and send your shot out of the gym. He holds the single game, single season, and career records in blocks. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Shrupp and Hunter Nielsen, welcome, guys. Glad to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. So this past weekend, you guys had two games against Northland College and the University of Wisconsin-Superior were able to come away with wins, and it was really two kind of different games in terms of not only the atmosphere, but just the level of competition you guys were at. We'll start with Northland. 
Um, winning by 35, able to get everybody involved and, you know, have some guys get some minutes off the bench and whatnot. What was that game like overall just from a standpoint of just feel and how it felt for the whole team in general? Well, obviously we had lost them earlier in the year, so that was kind of a game that everyone had circled for the week and everyone wanted to have a really good week of practice and get good prep for them so we could come out on Friday night and execute and do what we needed to do. And obviously we did that and it, we everyone got involved and it was a good game for everyone on Friday night. Yeah, it was good to see everybody get, like Hunter said, involved um, at night and just get some experience for the guys that don't maybe play as much. But, yeah, it was good to um, get them back for what they did to us earlier in the season, and we played well. Really was a good bounce-back game. It seemed like more, you know, you guys kind of had everything uh, in terms of, like, wits and wherewithal and stuff with you guys for that one. Let's move over to the Wisconsin-Superior game. That one a little more closer. It was alumni day. Um, got to spend time with uh, players from the past and whatnot, see that. Um, we'll start with that first. What was it like seeing all these guys kind of come back who have been on the team before or been through the program before and just, you know, have a day experiencing kind of and hearing like their stories and different things like that. I always enjoy that day a lot. It's always super cool to see all the guys come back. It was a 10 year anniversary of coach Garvin's team that won a conference title. So I was always, they, a lot of those guys came back this year. So that was just super cool, super cool to watch them play their game and hang out with them a little bit after. And I was really glad we could get the victory for them. And that's just like what our program embodies. We want to be about brotherhood. We want everyone to come back, feel part of this program. And that's how, that's the where, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, it was good to see everybody again, and there was even a couple guys that me and Hunter played with that um, they played in that game, so it was cool to see them and talk to them and catch up with them that we don't get to see them much. And, yeah, it was good we were able to battle and get a win for them because I know they enjoyed watching us play. So Yeah, yeah let's talk about one of those guys, actually, and Trenton Krieger. He's an assistant coach currently on uh, Coach Garvin's staff. Um, especially for you, Hunter, you passed him in terms of career blocks um, what was that like? You know, what was his kind of reaction to you passing his record and different things like that? Yeah, he was one of the first people to congratulate me. He was giving me hugs, high fives. He was hyping me up the whole time. He was cheering me on to pass it. He was biggest supporter along the way. And then he's been the biggest role model as a big I could ask, like the best role model I could ask for. He's been here since my freshman year. So to have him for three years now has been incredibly, un like just unbelievable to have that experience. I mean, he's one of the best UMAC bigs of all time. So to have him just always to lean on is super, super nice to have. And then I can pass it down to Riley as well, which is helpful. Yeah, I mean, you you broke that record in not even three years. Like, you went from, uh, even this year, going from, I think you were at 57 blocks to now well over 100. I'd have to go back and crunch the numbers to see exactly where you're at. But what what's kind of gone into you being as proficient of a blocker as you are? I mean, it's partly due to your size standing at 6'8", but what else have you been kind of working on to really kind of hone in your skills at being able to reject shots at the rate that you do? I just try to stay down and play with my length and make guys play over me or shoot over me, which a lot of times just leads to block shots, like you said, with my size, which if I just make guys shoot over me. And then I like, I mean, I have pretty good timing as it is, and then a lot of times my guards will funnel a guy outside the paint and try to make him shoot a tough shot, which always helps me get a block shot. And if my guys are staying down, as a, we always like to say the on-ball defender is not a shot blocker. It's always a secondary defender. So if they go straight up and they stay down, then that allows me to come over on the help side and send it to you guys in the crowd. You talked about um, passing down that shot blocking, uh, shot blocking skill to Riley. Um, it's something that I noticed in the Northland game, and I don't know if it was specific to that game or not. Um, I noticed that 
it seemed like Coach Garvin was switching you guys in and out every four minutes. Is that kind of what the game plan has been now is to have you play for four and then Riley play for four and just kind of switch you guys back and forth um, just to keep legs fresh or what's kind of the story with that? I guess it's, yeah, definitely just to keep legs fresh. I'm not the best of getting in shape and keeping in shape. So <laughs> everyone on the team knows that I work at it. So he's always a good backup to come in and give me a little break quick, but we're just trying to find our legs here and finish the stretch strong. Um, so you, we talked about former players a little bit and, uh, head coach Pat Garvin played for Bethany during his playing career. Um, what's it been like playing for a guy who's been through the program and has now, uh, come back after seeing success in other places and coming back to Bethany and trying to help keep this program going in the direction it's going? Yeah. Garvin's amazing. We all love him as teammates and, um, we love playing for him. He's a great guy. He's a very personable coach. You always can go up to him and have a conversation with him just about anything you need to. And he's always been there for us since day one. So that's nice to hear. To second off that, I'd say, like, if you put player coach equals, I'd put Pat Garvin's name right after it. He is, like, the ultimate player coach. He's always there for you if you need to lean on it. He's not, like, your friend. He knows how to push the right buttons, how to get you going in the right ways. He like, he gets us to run through brick walls. Like, he's just the ultimate player coach to me, and I could not have asked for a better guy to come in. He does seem very energetic and active on that uh, sideline to the point where um, during broadcast, Brock and I will be like, you know, they're going to have to resurface that sideline over there after this game just because he's going up and down and kind of wearing it out a little bit. Yeah. But um, in practices, does he ever jump in on, like, drills and stuff, you know, get after you guys that way and be like, hey, if I can do it, you guys should be able to do it too, or – what what's he like in practices? Is it just a whole nother level? Or I mean, he's intense. He's an intense guy, and we like that about him because, I mean, it just makes us better. But no, he hasn't really jumped in any drills yet. We're we're still waiting for that day. But <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if that day will come. He definitely talks his fair share fair share of smack in practice and gets after us a little bit. But we like to have a lot of fun. We like to go. I mean, we like to go hard and have fun while we're doing it. So it makes practice a lot more easier that way. Just waiting for the day that he's working out in the post with Hunter and just starts sending his shots back to and be like, how does it feel? Um, so this next question, I don't want it to necessarily start any beef, but it's something that I just kind of noticed a little bit. Um, Hunter, we've seen you taking more threes this year, which honestly just kind of begs the question. Um, who would win in a three-point shootout, you or Justin? I'm not even gonna lie, Justin. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, your your career your career average um, right now is thirty percent. You were one for one last year, and you're two for nine this year. So I mean, I thirty percent that'll play, yeah, especially as a big right. guy. But that's a good shooting percentage. I for think a big I still guy. need to keep working on <laughs> keep taking shots that are within the offense. Good shots for us as a team, but I'm gonna keep letting Justin and our three point shooters are shooting well over forty percent. Shoot shots, him and Ryan and. Drew and B and re let them get all the threes. There was there was a moment um, during the Northland game. I remember uh, Thomas had dribbled down the left side, gave it off to Drew, and he he nailed the three. And then he was coming back down the right side, and I turned to my broadcast partner Alex, and I was like, Alex, what do you think he uh, he dribbled hands off to uh, Cooper on the other side this time? And I think Easton came up to set a screen. And instead of using the screen, he went back to the right and dribble hand off to Cooper and nailed it. I'm like, I just, I just pulled a Tony Romo. Yeah. I just, I just pulled a Tony Romo. All right, That's awesome. we'll take 2. it. Um, but you guys mentioned it, uh, Justin, being a career almost forty percent three point shooter. You've hit some 
absolutely insane shots, especially this year going back earlier in the season. Uh, the central game tire to force it to overtime. First game of the season. I remember watching that. We had just finished watching the soccer conference championship. Turned on that one. And it was like, hey, we're just getting all the sports, you know, hype and stuff. Um, and then another one being against, uh, I think it was Gustavus. You you catch it in the corner and falling out of bounds, knock down a three. What kind of goes through your head in those tough situations where it's like you got to have it in order to keep the game going and mm-hmm. stuff like that? Well, I would say, to be completely honest, really nothing goes through my head as that play is happening. I just try and keep as cool as I can and just trust the work I've put in, you know. And, yeah, I guess nothing really goes through my head when I when those plays are happening. Not just like, you know, you're, you're a little um, six-year-old just running around in the front yard shooting shots, yep, pretending yep. like you're in that situation. Yep, doing that countdown three, two, one, <laughs> trying to make a buzzer beater every time. But, of course, you can't just be like, oh, he misses it, yeah, but it's passed yep. back out again. To Hunter, for you, I mean, you've you've watched that happen. What kind of goes through your head? You, you see him just pulling off this ridiculous shot or, you know, pulling up from the UMAC logo on the floor or something like that. Like, is it just like, all right, I got to get in position or I'm just going to head down to the other end knowing that he's about to knock this down? No, yeah. Like, I literally had to, like, train my mind to force myself to go offensive rebound. Like, I can't just run back. Like, he is going to miss some shot. He's mm-hmm. not perfect. Like, 40%, yeah. there's still 60% that are going to miss. I got to go get some of them. So, like, I had to, like, kind of train my mind to – even though he shoots the ball, I still got an offensive rebound because there's always that chance. But I double off of what he just said. One through 15, everyone on our coaching staff, if he crosses half court and he gets the ball, green light. No one no one else on our team has more confidence in him to shoot the ball and make threes. And like you said, he's come up more than one occasion clutch for us this year. Um, eight straight games with double-digit points, eight games with a three, 15 – or um, Eight straight games with um, multiple threes and then 15 straight or 17, excuse me, uh, straight games with at least one three. Um, you, it seems like though you've been able to kind of transform your offensive game a little bit more into all right, I can dribble in and hit a 15 footer, um, and add that to your game too. What about that do you think makes you more dangerous to an opponent? I think they just, um, well, opponents have to close out hard regardless of where I am, I guess, on the floor. And I think that just helps me able to add another dimension to my game so I'm able to help the team out in other ways rather than just three-point shooting. And even after, say, I get past that guy, then defense still has to help, and I can kick and find other guys to get them with shots too. So, okay. um, Coming up here this next weekend, you have a couple games at home again. Uh, the last couple of home games this year before we get into tournament play against Crown College and Morris. Uh, Crown College on Friday, that's going to be a big one for you guys. Currently tied with them for second in the conference, um, both of you chasing Northwestern. What do you feel like the keys are going to be to that game on Friday? Well, definitely to start with their big three in Van Dam, Carroll, and Royce, and we definitely have to slow them down. Roy- I mean, Van Dam and Carroll right now are – probably the two hottest players in the conference. They're probably the hottest team in the conference right now. They've won five of six. Their only loss to us was by five. They just went to North Central and Northwestern and we came away with two road victories, not close road victories. They won handily. So we're going to have to have a really good week of practice, have a good week of prep, and come in ready on Friday night to go to war. Yeah, I agree with Hunter. I think the biggest thing for us is going to be defense. I, um, defense is our ceiling. As good as we are on defense, that's how good we can be. And, yeah, I think that's just going to be a – Big key for us this weekend, lock in defensively and get stops and end it with a rebound. 
Uh, final question for the both of you. The last time we had a full season, Bethany made it to the national tournament. You both were freshmen on that team. We're a couple of weeks away from a conference with a chance to get back to that. Does it feel like that hunger is there and maybe even more after not having that tournament, that chance to go and represent the conference in the national tournament like that? Does it feel like this whole team, you know, you guys that have been there like are like, hey, we want to get back to this. Like this is something that we want to get back to. And uh, especially in Coach Garvin's first full year as head coach is that the general feeling you're kind of getting like everybody's on the same page with that. I'd say 100%. Like, the best ring is the next ring. Everyone's chasing what we had our freshman year. We want to get everyone who on, on this team who hasn't had that feeling. We want to get them that feeling. We want to make sure we're cutting down nets. We want to do everything we set out to do at the beginning of the year. We just got to put our heads down, keep working hard and, See what happens. Yeah, I would agree. I think we're all very hungry to get another ring, and I would even think those fifth-year seniors who came back are even hungrier and hungrier and just want to win another ring one last time, and we also want to ring win a ring for them one last time too. All right, uh, I lied. Final question: Are we going to see both of you back next year? Yes. Yes. I mean, the year Sweet. after that as well. Yeah. Year after yeah. that, you guys are coming yeah. back so for two more. Technically, both juniors this year. Yeah. So. All right. We love seniors and fifth years. So. We love to hear that. Well, uh, want to wish you all the best and good luck on the rest of your season. Uh, thanks for coming on the Bethany Vikings podcast. It was great to listen to you both. And uh, again, good luck on the rest of your season. Go get one. Perfect. Yeah. Thank, thank you. I appreciate everything thanks you guys do. Us. We are now joined by three-time UMAC champion, guard, senior guard um, from Winona, Minnesota, Laura Ellingheisen. She's joining the show. How are you today, Laura? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Glad this is the first time you've been on the podcast, right? Season three? Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, it's your senior year. Um, you've been playing on a lot of good teams. Obviously, we, we prefaced this as your three-time UMAC champion. How does this team stack up against your other three teams? Well, every year is different, obviously, and... Um, different players bring different things to the table. Uh, this year we have a lot of freshmen who have really stepped up, uh, had a lot of good playing minutes. Uh, we've had a lot of injuries this year, so those minutes have gotten bigger um, in bigger games. Uh, but it's going really well so far, and I'm really happy to be a part of the team. One of those freshmen that we want to bring up is Haley Meyer. We've seen her um, not only getting more minutes the past couple of weeks, but then also really stepping in and just kind of flourishing under that offense. What type of growth have you seen from her, you know, outside of just the games like in practices and whatnot? Is it a confidence thing or is it just, you know, a freshman just kind of finding their footing? What's kind of been the key to her really kind of stepping up the past couple of weeks? Yeah, she's progressed so much over the course of the year. I mean, coming in, you know, most of the freshmen, you know, they were good players. But once you really get into practices and really start playing against people in practice and pushing yourself really hard, you know, you see that development start to grow. And Haley has definitely picked it up in the last couple weeks. You know, again, with injuries, she's had to play more minutes, but she's definitely, um, I think she's definitely earned those minutes. Uh, she's played really hard in practice, as have all of our girls. I mean, uh, everybody has been stepping up in practice, playing really hard. And when we have so much talent in all of our girls, not just the ones who always, you know, play 20, 30 minutes, but even those who don't get to play, it makes everybody that much better. And we've had a lot of people getting in the gym, shooting and uh, getting shots up and stuff like that. And it's been really great to see. 
And you as a senior leadership, uh, Emma Purfus, the assistant coach, talked about how instrumental Hannah has been as being a leader, but also yourself. I know when you were a freshman, you had Haley Sandine to lean on. So how much did you learn from her that you're teaching those freshmen? Yeah, I mean, I guess coming in as a freshman, I was definitely very timid. And I think our freshman class kind of came in the same way. Um, But, you know, you just learn as you go. You kind of get thrown into it and you just you go with it, you learn about yourself and about your teammates and how you click together and how you all have different strengths and how you, um, you know, fit together. And so just, I think something that we've really um, tried to emphasize this year too, is just going hard all the time and everybody having a job and doing it to the best of your ability. And um, I think me and Hannah have, been leaders in that role but there's also been a lot of other people on the team who have been you know stepping in to those leadership roles that will continue to do so in the years to come as well so you talked about when you came in you were a little more timid now you're one of the senior leaders um talk about what that transition was like for you to be to go from one of the people who you know you're trying to find your footing to now you kind of have to be that person that everybody looks to and are like all right yep Laura knows where to go. Laura knows how to do this and different things like that. Yeah, it was definitely a growth through the years. Um, It's not necessarily my personality even to be like super hyped up and all the time and stuff like that. I'm more of a, you know, quiet encourager and lead by example. But when you're put into a role like I am now as a captain and stuff, I've definitely had to be more vocal and I guess it's just wanting to see this team succeed that has uh, pushed me to be a better leader and ask myself what can I do to make this team more successful and that's just the role that I have this year. I talk about a lot in a broadcast that you don't show up a lot in the box score but you do all the little things the fundamentals and your grit where do you get that grit and your tenacity from? Um, I guess I just have always sort of played that way. Um, I've, I have a, you know, pretty athletic family and my dad and cousins and aunt and uncles, uh, and my cousins actually played at Bethany before I got here and seeing the way that they played too, you know, maybe not always the best scores or something, but always just a drive and a determination to just play their hardest, uh, has something that's just really been instilled in me, I guess. And I just, you know, love to play basketball and I just go out there and do the best I can. So to start the season, um, your team played 13 of your first 14 games on the road this year, which Mm -hmm. I think I don't, I don't see that happening very often in sports, but it was a lot of games and it was a lot of tough competition too. I mean, you played some of the top 25 teams in the country, even won a couple of those games against O'Claire and Oshkosh. What was that like, especially, you know, looking at you from a senior standpoint, but even for those freshmen who, you know, this is their first college experience playing and they're getting thrown into, all right, we're on the road again, 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 and different things like that. Not really having that first home experience until start of the second semester what was that like yeah it's been interesting for sure especially coming off of like a COVID year last year um, we've talked about how those freshmen last year who are now sophomores only got like 10 games in so the experience has been a little different 
Um, but I am so happy that we got to play the competition that we did before conference started and stuff. I mean, this is probably one of the toughest schedules that we've ever had. But I think we were up for that challenge. We had a really good schedule for um, last year when COVID happened that we didn't get to play. And so to have that this year, I think we've really progressed through the years and shown that we can play with teams that are maybe a little tougher than what we would usually see in conference. So to get that opportunity has been a real motivator, I think, and helped us to realize a little bit more of our potential as a team. You've had multiple, you talk about your tough schedule, multiple wins against ranked teams, and you even had some votes uh, for top 25. Uh, do you think there's any chance you could be like the first UMAC team if you somehow f- flutter in the UMAC tournament but still make the uh, the NCAA tournament? I don't know. I mean, we we had a, a good opportunity to possibly get in that rankings. Um, unfortunately, those um, we had a couple losses that kind of dropped us back down a little bit. But I think if we really stick together, play hard, and if we come out with some big wins in the um, UMAC um, the rest of the season and the tournament – and if we can really play hard in the in the NCAA Division Three tournament, I mean, we can go we can go far if we can play how we can play. Let's talk about um, product on the floor for a little bit. Uh, this past weekend, playing games against Northland and Wisconsin Superior, uh, two wins, but two kind of different games in terms of just the type of play and the pace of play and different things like that. Um, talk about what the feeling was. After those two wins, you know, first after Northland winning by 35 and then really having to grind one out against Superior. Yeah, um, we were, we prepared a little bit differently just because, you know, they are such different teams. Um, but we, we definitely didn't play as well as we would have liked to. I mean, we, we got the wins and that's, you know, that's what's important. But we're definitely going to have to continue to work hard in practice. Um the game against Superior, we, we've we had some, you know, lapses in our games where we just can't quite get it together. But we really pulled together in that last fourth quarter, I think, to come together. And maybe that adversity, we were down a little bit. That adversity really brought us together and made us really drive and want to win. Um, so I think that's something we need to keep up in our further games. I mean, you look at that fourth quarter coming back from, I think it was a three or four point deficit outscoring superior in the final frame, 26 to 16, being able to really pull it out and finish off that game. Um, talking about Hannah Geisfeld, the player that you've played with your whole career, um, her having opportunities to win games at the free throw line and whatnot. I mean, she's shooting this year, 80% from the free throw line. And that's just one stat that just kind of blows your mind. What about Hannah's work ethic and drive kind of just makes you kind of step back and go, wow, like this is a player that just, you know, wants it all and wants everything. She is so awesome. It's been so fun to play with her. Um, but if you if you really know her, she, you know that she would do anything for this team. And it's not necessarily that she wants all those individual awards. I mean, you know, getting them, you know, doesn't hurt for sure. <laughs> but uh She's so much more than just the awards that she gets. She brings so much to the team in leadership 
and just in drive and in passion she has such a love for basketball that it definitely shows in the way that she prepares um she's you know always in the gym getting shots up working on her speed agility footwork stuff and so it's just been it's been awesome to be around that kind of player because she makes everybody around her better too I think it shows too and you know anytime there's a charge or anything like that I I can't even count how many times you know even for you you take a charge or you hit a layup and one whatever she's the first one over like let's go and just you know screaming giving you a hug and stuff like that but I think that just shows you talked about it the amount of passion and the amount of you know she loves this team and wants this team to really progress and go forward Mm -hmm. um Coming up this week, you have games against Crown College and Minnesota Morris. Crown College coming in 1-9 and nine towards the bottom of the conference, but still um, Coach Perfis has told me that, yeah, they've shown a little bit more improvement this year, maybe better than what their record shows. But Minnesota Morris was interesting to me and Brock. We talked about it a little bit, how that can kind of be a trap game. It feels like if there's any one team that kind of trips Bethany up, it is Minnesota Morris. And is there any reason to you why that is? I don't know. It's they've been it, uh, they've been an interesting team this year for sure. They've had some really close games against good opponents. They I think they lost to Northwestern in overtime at their home. They lost to North Central by like 3 both times they played. So, they're always a team that plays really hard and if you don't show up and play really hard the first, you know, half, the first five minutes of the third quarter they're they're gonna stick it to you and they're gonna fight to the end so that's something that if you don't come out ready to go they might get you so we got to be prepared for that for sure you guys have been really good second third and fourth quarter outscoring teams about 50 points but that first quarter you're only outscoring um your the opponents by one point uh, what's been difficult about that first quarter this year yeah we've just not come out great maybe our mindset in the first is just not quite there um that's something we're definitely working on but at least our second half is there I guess um yeah we're definitely we've talked about it a lot and um we'll see how we can bring it all together hopefully that comes together in the last four games of the season and into the tournament and I'll add this too. It always it seems like at home you guys are fine. Like you can get out to some sort of lead, and like you don't have as many issues getting out and going. It's just it seems like maybe it's like an on the road thing. Like all right, getting used to this environment, maybe or um, you know long travel day or something like that. You know maybe just kind of affecting the legs a little bit or something. Yeah, and it might also go back to the kind of experience and um all playing together and playing in college basketball because the only way to really prepare for those kind of games is to be in those games and in those situations. And you talked about experience. Um, the, it's a lot of varying experience, but the last time that we had a conference tournament and a national tournament, Bethany was the representative for the UMAC. Um, I asked this to Justin and Hunter earlier in the podcast, but um, for you, it's an honor, you know, being able to represent the conference at that national level and whatnot. And for you, you guys were one quarter away from making it to the Sweet 16 last time we had a national tournament. Do you feel like the hunger is there, even from these younger players, to get back to that moment and maybe even progress into that Sweet 16 and further into that national tournament? Yeah, that's definitely one of our goals this year because we know we have so much talent and so much um, potential. 
And coach has been talking a lot about, you know, how, how grateful we should be for getting to the tournament twice and winning the conference, you know, three times, because not a lot of teams, not a lot of girls get to do that. And so I think we definitely have high standards and high expectations for ourselves. And we work hard every day in practice to get there. And I think it's, it's coming to fruition. It's getting there and we'll see how it goes. I ask the last question. Uh, you've been on a part of a lot of UMAC tournament teams. What is the biggest key here now? We're getting to crunch time here in the season. I think we really have to come together as a team. Um, when you get down to this like last month or so, it's always can get a little chippy. You know, we've been together for how many months, but um, now's the time where we just have to all come together, uh, know what we want to do as a team, and work hard to get there. All right, well, that's three-time UMAC champion Laura Ellingheisen, hopefully a four-time UMAC champion by the end of this season. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, we appreciate Laura Ellingheisen and Justin Shrupp and Hunter Nielsen to join the show. It's great to get their insight of their teams, um, get them get to know them a little bit better um, as we're getting to crunch time here in the UMAC basketball seasons. All right, let's put a bow on this uh, show. Jake, and before we go, you have some track and field uh, notes you want to talk about this weekend. Yeah, so track competed at a meet in Wisconsin River Falls. Um, an interesting track. Uh, you know, a lot of tracks, um, for indoor at least, they're kind of small and kind of in confined spaces and whatnot, but River Falls facilities were nice. Like, it was insane to kind of go up there and just be able to have a meet up there, but then also the competition was really good facing uh, schools from the WIAC uh, Wisconsin Superior was there, so that's a team we'll see at the UMAC um, conference track meet once we get to that point. Um, a couple of um, performances that I want to highlight. Um, number one, Jake Marzinski. Uh, he just came back from uh, being in COVID protocols and was back to his... Uh, Old ways in winning the meet, not only long jump, but in triple jump. Uh, set the school record, his own school record, in triple jump. First meet back, uh, which was pretty impressive to watch. I, I don't think he even went to finals and jumps. Uh, the way that long and triple jumps work is you have three jumps in like the preliminary stages of the meet, and then they'll call the top eight people with the top eight marks and say, all right, you made it to finals. I don't think he took any of his finals jumps because he just he didn't really necessarily need to. Um, Stephanie Whitbroad on the women's side was able to break her own shot put record um, and continue her fantastic freshman season and keep kind of building momentum as we head towards the uh, conference track meet. Uh, and then also Nathan Wildauer ran a 203-89-800 uh, for the men um, and looked really good in an 800 where he was kind of shaky with a little bit of a hamstring issue but uh, looked really good for his race. And um, overall, another good meet. We saw a lot of personal records and a lot of people who put together really good races, really solid efforts once again. And, um, you know, it was just fun to be out there competing. We got two more uh, weeks of um, meets on weekends. 
Uh, we're sending a couple of athletes to the University of St. Thomas on Friday to compete at a meet there and get some good competition in at St. Thomas, and then we'll have a meet against Carleton where we'll see the whole team travel to that one. And then we have one more kind of tune-up meet at uh, SDSU before we go up to Superior on February 25th and 26th to go up and compete up there. So that's kind of the update from track and field. Uh, What about tennis? Yeah, tennis, they were pretty successful here this Sunday. Um, They lost to Hamlin 6-3, but they had three single wins, which marked the first individual victories versus Hamlin in their series uh, history. Um, So good improvement uh, so far we've seen at the beginning of the year for the Vikings. Uh, Those individual wins were by Carlos French, Hector DeMasso, and Nick uh, Casa. Um, so those are the three wins for the Vikings. They're going to play Gustavus uh, next week. Uh, no woman until a 26, but a couple early spring matches for the men. Very fun to watch. A lot going on at Bethany as spring sports starting to tick up too. We even have softball and baseball practicing. I think softball has their first uh, games over at the bubble at MSU on February 19th, I think, is when they start those. Uh, we'll have to double-check and fact-check that, but I know those are coming up pretty fast, and then they'll be off to spring training in a little bit. But as we wrap up this episode here, any final thoughts about this past weekend and kind of where uh, basketball is going and as we get to closer to the postseason, Brock? Going back to basketball, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fun ride. I, we have two good, really good teams again. Um, the women hopefully can stay perfect this upcoming weekend and the uh, Vikings men keep looking to try to get those 40 minutes uh, be more a little more consistent uh, so we can uh, compete with Northwestern hopefully in the UMAC tournament because we have the talent to do so I was looking back through the um, Bethany schedule and like the history and stuff like that in the records I don't think we've ever had a Bethany women's team go undefeated in conference so obviously Four games yet to play, and there are some pretty tough opponents, especially you look at that last weekend before the conference tournament against uh, Northwestern and North Central at Northwestern and North Central going into enemy territory. Going to be two tough places to pull out victories, but um, overall, like you said, I think it's going to be a very fun ride the rest of the year we do not have guests assigned yet next week but we'll have a couple for you come back each and every week until uh, the end of the semester we might not do easter but be ready every tuesday you got the bethany vikings podcast season three thanks for watching